Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Good Sunday morning to you. I'm Blaise Wilson. This is Sunday Take for August 14th, 2022. The week of primaries. A little bit of a scare for Ilhan Omar in that 5th district. Don Samuels ran a good campaign. But I think what it showed was that there's a growing frustration and a growing pragmatism amongst progressives that the radical ideas aren't selling even amongst Democrats. The idea that Don Samuels came within two points should be a wake-up call for the radical left. And I say radical, I mean, these are not ideas that Democrats have had for a long time. And I've called it out before, the Democratic Socialists are more socialist than they are Democratic. They're not mainstream ideas, and I think Ilhan Omar and those folks saw that this week. So look for a new coalition of pragmatic progressives like Betty McCollum, who aren't moderates. You can't question their liberal credentials, but yet the squad and folks like Amane Badasso tried, and Dan, Don Samuels came very close. So look for a new coalition of liberals, progressives, that shun the bad ideas of the left and try to embrace the ideas that they've been elected on before. When we come back, more reflections on the primary and why I talked to John Thompson this week for an extended interview. I'm Blaise Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. It's not often I would dedicate a full show to one interview, but there's a state representative named John Thompson that for the last two years has been a bit of a distraction for Democrats. As I've gotten to know John and talk to John, I I realize that at his core, he has some passionate views that aren't outside the mainstream, that aren't necessarily radical. His behavior was not becoming of a public official or a citizen for that matter. John Thompson deserves to be heard, but this week, the voters of his district made sure he won't return to the state capitol. And it's obvious from the residency questions to the behavior around police. John Thompson doesn't seem as angry as he did two years ago, but all of us should take a look at this. That a man serving in a school whose very good friend Philando Castile was killed could rise to state representative. If John Thompson behaves different, if he acts different, if he isn't as outspoken, he probably gets reelected. But he spoke his mind, he followed his passion, and we talked to him this week. Because He's going to go down in Minnesota history as somebody who won't be just a trivia question. He'll make an impact. And he talks about the internal dynamics of the party and how he was abandoned very quickly. We get uncomfortable when people push buttons or raise issues that we may not want to talk about. John Thompson did that. And he also behaved badly, disrespected police, ended civility in many ways. 
And I think he learned from it. And so we'll talk to him next on Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Sunday Take. As I mentioned in the open, I have a guest this week that uh, I think a lot of conversation can be had with. And so, you know, I want to just start out by saying thank you to Representative John Thompson. Uh, He reached out, said uh, we're long overdue to talk and do an interview, and he agreed to appear on Sunday Take. So, Representative Thompson, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Lewis. Let's just start with the this week. You uh, you ran for re-election. You had a primary. It didn't go your way. You lost by a large margin. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on kind of how that primary went and and uh, and any reflections you've had? You know, this seat was never my seat to have. The seat belongs to the people on the east side of St. Paul. And ultimately, what happens is they go out and they vote for you know the candidate they thinks the best candidate, and so. You know, you know, the, the numbers show they thought that, you know, my opponent was the best candidate in this race. I think that there's a lot of money that was put into this race, a lot of Washington, D.C. money put into this race. When you think about, you know, this woman was, uh, she was a staffer for Betty McCollum, and she has huge ties to D.C. Um, and so a lot of that money was brought into this race over here on the east side, and they spent a lot of money to, you know, get me out of this seat. I'm talking about the party in itself putting a lot of work to t- try to remove because I think we knocked over over 25,000 doors and only a thousand some people voted in this particular primary race. So it just goes to show you, you know, in the East Side, you know, the East Side is a very diverse community. And so, you know, the East Side spoke. So, you know, it was two years ago, uh, about this time of year, that uh, you kind of were thrust into the spotlight. Uh, the protest in Hugo, um, and, you know, and then, you know, a few incidents while you're a legislator. Just looking back on the last two years of your life in public service, in public life, what what are the two or three lessons you've taken from that? You know, but we'll talk about Hugo real quick. You know, Hugo, Minnesota, we get this image of Representative Thompson. By the way, I wasn't a representative at all. I was just endorsed nope. at that time. Yep. I was just a regular person. I'm not even in office. And so a lot of the backlash I caught while in office was because of what happened in Hugo, Minnesota. What they what they forget to leave out is John Thompson got spit on in Hugo, Minnesota. You don't spit on me and call me and then expect me to be soft spoken. And so you know you get these 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 news clippings of me yelling, John's yelling at your women and children. What are you teaching your women and children in Hugo, Minnesota when you're spitting at black people and calling them the N word? You know what are you teaching those guys? You know people who get at, at my words, and I'm mad at their actions. Hey, Bloors, do you know uh, uh, 1989, N.W.A. came out with a song called the Police, yeah. <laughs> right? And that song came out post-Rodney King in direct response to what happened with Rodney King. And ultimately, N.W.A. went to jail. They were arrested for performing this song. But just think about, like, these people came out and they made a song in response to what the world has saw for the first time is what African-American men have been saying police officers were doing to us for years. Now, the world finally sees this, and then we see these same officers, not guilty, not guilty, Mark Furman, not guilty, not guilty. Now, now, these young men were arrested for the lyrics in their words and ultimately charged. Do you mean to tell me people are more mad at their words than people's actions? Because I come armed with words. I've never assaulted anybody. It could have been an assault in Hugo, Minnesota, by the way. So I could have, it could have went, could have went, could have went totally left. But I choose to use my words as my weapon of choice. 
and, and, and rightfully so. Your know, racism has no place here in Minnesota, and I'm not going to be soft spoken about it. You know, you got white, you got like white people, white, you know, John, you're racist. You're, 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 uh, like how, how? Let's let's not forget why we are in Hugo, Minnesota, in the first place. Because had Bob Crow not existed in his tactics, his racist tactics, yo, we wouldn't be in Hugo. But the whole Hugo, Minnesota protest turned into John Thompson, John Thompson, John Thompson. Ultimately, like everything I went through um, in, in the legislative body as far as me being, had nothing to do with allegations from 20 years ago. It was direct response to Hugo. I can't, it's kind of like the, the, we call it the OJ, the OJ Simpson uh, 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 treatment. You know, they couldn't find him guilty of that, but we found him guilty of this and we're going to lock him up. You know, I was the first, the first African-American male to ever hold this seat in my district ever yeah. to be convicted in Minnesota house of representatives for something that I was found not guilty in the court of law. And so, you know, let's talk about it, man. You know, you know, I, I, yeah. John, I want to go back to Hugo because I wrote a piece after after Hugo happened about us losing our civil minds. You know, the images I saw from Hugo, the pinatas, mm-hmm. the idea that you're outside, you know, somebody's house. Times were tough then. But mm-hmm. if you reel it back a little, is escalating it to pinatas of people, is that okay? Hey, hey, you know something, Bloors, to be 100% honest with you, I think this is the first time you ever heard that. When I look at that image of, of me hitting a pinata, like, that's horrible. It's horrible for me. My family is embarrassing. My grandmother wouldn't approve of that. The thing is, bro, I didn't know that was a pinata, an effigy of somebody's wife. Hey, somebody's got a pinata in my face. Hey, John, you want to hit the pinata? And I'm hitting the pinata. I'm not even paying attention to the image of what the pinata represents. Who made that pinata? You should be more mad at those people who what? made the pinata. I've wondered that, John. I've wondered who made that pinata. And I go back. I look at that as a moment, not just about you or or that protest but i look at it as a moment in minnesota where we just were done having discussions and we wanted to we wanted to protest and be angry and and i get anger i get people of color and black people being angry about racism i understand that you know if you could send a message to you know liz collin or bob kroll what would you say to them about those pinatas and your actions in hero you know liz collins has never done anything wrong to me or my family Liz Collins didn't deserve for someone to be out in front of her house hitting a pinata. And that's just my honest statement, you know, just just going back. You ask, what did I learn? Well, my wife would kill me if I show up to somebody's house again ever in my life. And that's something that I've learned and grown to learn. And, and I think it's wrong to show up to people's house. You know, here I am, a young activist. Yeah, my activist, like, you know, and I want I want my voice to be heard. Yep. Truth be told, I wasn't even on the roster in in Hugo, Minnesota. And so when they asked me to speak, it was right after somebody had spit some some chewing tobacco at me. And so when I speak, now I'm angry. And I have, yep. every, anger is an emotion that everybody has every God-given right to have. Now I'm angry. But people are more mad at my words. Like if I had assaulted somebody, hey, you know I said in Hugo, I said, I said our entire state burned down pretty much. The entire city of Minneapolis burned down behind a counterfeit 20. I said, and the tensions have gotten so high. You think people really give a f- about like Hugo, Minnesota burning down? And I said that, and then people said, John Thompson's threatening to burn down Hugo. Oh, my God, he threatened. I never I never said that I would burn down any. Like, I didn't agree with Minneapolis burning down. I didn't agree with that. What did we get from that? A lot of black business owners lost their livelihood behind, you know, a counterfeit $20 bill. Keep in mind, also, 
black people didn't burn down Minneapolis. There were people coming from other areas of Minnesota yeah. and burning down Minnesota. But here we have in the media, Minneapolis has gotten out of control. The crime and the Black Lives Matter activists and Antifa, and none of that happened. Like, I've seen white people setting fires in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I've seen white people looting in, in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. But who got blamed for it? As a matter of fact, Gloris, uh, post Dante Wright, I'm in a, in, at a rally, and I'm in the back of the rally in my vehicle, and I see a group of people busting windows in downtown Minneapolis, and I'm like, hey, stop that shit, because they're going to blame. And they walked over to my car and said, Mr. Thompson, we know who you are. You better tell your governor he better get his dogs. Like, somebody said that to me. And yeah. I'm like, and these were white folks. This is right after George Floyd. Now we have Dante Wright. Tell you something else, Louis. In, in, in 19, what was that? I think it was in 1984, I was looking at an image of Malcolm X, and he was holding uh, a, a newspaper clipping. And this clipping said, America needs police reform now. That was in 1965 that this paper was being held by Malcolm X. Here we are in 2022, still talking about police reform. So I don't, I think that's a lost conversation to have, man. John, I don't think, I mean, there's, there is reform that needs to happen. I think, and, and, you know, there's bad cops, just like there's bad people in any profession. When a cop is a bad cop, they need to be fired and they need to be fired fast and, and, and first. Let's fast forward just a little after Hugo, obviously you're running, you're endorsed, you're in a highly DFL district you have the decision to keep running you run you win talk about how you were treated as soon as you got to the legislature and mind you we were in the middle of a pandemic right so it was virtual in many ways but talk about how you were treated either by your caucus or your colleagues here's what i encountered like my first couple of weeks i had um seasoned colleagues say you know freshmen should should be quiet and listen and learn and soak it all in and I'm like, that's not why I'm here. I didn't come here to be quiet. And if that's what you thought, then you're sadly mistaken. Like drastic times call for drastic measures. And my community has an economic noose around their neck. And so for me, I don't have time to be soft-spoken about you know, anything because there's nothing soft-spoken about the conditions that my community is in. Keep in mind, you also said something important. You said that we were in the middle of a pandemic. The pandemic started. And I told, I told, uh, legislators, my colleagues, and the governor back then, I said, my community is going to be an epidemic once you once the pandemic's lifted. Once you open the state back up, the doggone uh, courts are going to be filled with people who are being evicted from their homes. Crime's going to be high. People are going to be selling drugs, stealing cars. Now, I, I predicted this, not because I'm psychic, but because I've been Black all my life. And I know what's going to happen in my community. And, and, and I was 100% right. If you look at the carjackings, the gun violence, the, the, the thefts out of the studio, like, you know, People are trying to trying to live. And if you create these conditions right here, you can't like complain about the return. So, so I'll give you an example of what I'm saying. Yeah. When I talk about the economic noose in my community, you have poor schools, poor funding in our community, lack of funding in our community, lack of culturally intelligent behavioral health specialists, lack of culturally intelligent teachers in our in our, in my community. You want to go to school. Like it's not even it's not even fun to go to school. I walk into the gymnasium right here, Arlington Rexon. I walk into and five o'clock in the in the evening the gym's closed. And I say, well why is the gym closed? And they say, well we don't have enough money to pay people. Like somebody out there priorities messed up here. It's not me. But but you see the return on your investment. 
because stealing Kias in my neighborhood is like at an all-time high. You know? Yeah. Catalytic, catalytic converters, they're stealing the lights. They're stealing the wires out of the street lights in my community right now. You know, and so I know what I'm saying about this community because I live in it and I'm living through it. I have my car stolen three times, my catalytic converter stolen twice right here in the community I live in. And I still love the east side of St. Paul. You know, I feel like, you know, if I wasn't at the, in, in that body, then a lot yeah. of the conversations that were had, had would not have been had. A lot of the sprinkles of equity that we got in, in these packages, we wouldn't have got any of that had I not been in this body. And so for me, I, I promise that I'm going to be the change I want to see. And I went out and did it. Yo, but, you know, keep in mind, yo, we got we to gotta keep an eye on John and keep him silent. But you can't. You can't keep me silent because, yo, and I won't conform because these systems don't conform for my community. Why, so, do you think, why do you think they wanted to keep you silent? And who are they? Ain't no telling what to come out of my mouth. You know, when I hold a press conference and I tell the governor that he needs to exercise his testicular fortitude and pass some meaningful legislation, for my community when it comes to police reform, that was in direct response to Governor Walls, like holding a press conference in the middle of, of, of a conference committee saying, we're not going to get everything we want. So we, people need to take what they're going to take. Wait a minute. You cried at George Floyd funeral with us. And here you are telling us we need to take what we can take. Well, you're not giving us anything to take. Are there, were there people who actually said to you, you need to stay quiet? And who were they? There were, there were, there were like in, in orientations. And then when we talked, I remember, I remember they were picking like, um, like chairs and co-chairs. Yeah. And and I said in this, in, in our, in our, in our caucus, I said, I don't know about y'all, but I know that the, the Republican party are, they're empowering their freshmen. They're not asking the freshmen to, to be quiet. And so if y'all not going to put y'all names on the sheet to be a, a co-chair or a chair, of one of these committees, I'm going to do it. And I don't know how much we're going to get if I'm the chair or co-chair of any of these committees, because people want to hang my meat back with a noose. So, so I'm actually saying this. And now all of a sudden we have uh, Cedric Frazier as the co-chair of the public safety committee. You know, we have freshmen. When yep. the first time we were freshmen, our co-chairs, because freshmen were supposed to be quiet. We never had freshmen as chairs and co-chairs before. Here we have it now. And if I hadn't been there, you know, I believe that we would have had people just plan along to get along. We're going to take a break, John. When we come back, I want to talk more about your time in the legislature. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. I'm Blaise Olson, and we'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. We're back. We're holding this conversation with Representative John Thompson. We're talking about his time in the legislature. He talked about, you know, encouraging freshmen to be chair, 
John, one of the things that I thought was interesting was that you got put on the agriculture committee. What was that about? In all honesty, you could ask any of my colleagues when they gave me ag, I wanted public safety finance and I cried like, like, what do I know about agriculture and finance? Do you think you did that to put you on a committee where you wouldn't make too much noise? You know, that's what I thought, you know, perception of everything. But when I started realizing that the agriculture finance committee needs a voice like me and started really looking into what we do, because I knew nothing about ag and finance. Now I want to find out, you know, since I'm here, how many farmers do we have? How many black farmers do we have here in this state? Like, you know, and because there's so much money going out in agriculture, right? And here, you know, we plowed this land. We picked the cotton. We tended to the cows for free. You know, the slaves work for free. So, so here's a here's an industry that's been ripped away from the African American community because I only found three black farmers in the entire state of Minnesota. And so here's a career pathway that's been taken away from our children. You know, when you drive through rural Minnesota, you don't see many black farmers or people that own farms. And so I proposed a bill to bring money to emerging black farmers, and they changed the wording from African American to people of color or, or, or BIPOC, immigrant, right? Like, boys, if I, if I would have started this interview, like, what's up, white boy? That'd be offensive to you. Like, well, I'm not a white boy. I'm a, I'm a man. So what makes you think that black people like being called BIPOC, posse, person of color? You know what I'm saying? Like, those, those names are derogatory towards. This is, I, I, when I ask for money, I specifically ask for that money to be invested in the African-American community. You know, the same community that we're complaining about, that we're criminalizing, that we need to actually over-police. There's a reason why my community is sitting. There's a reason why you don't see many black men on them John Deere tractors. It's not because there's a, there's a lack of jobs, like, even in the trades. By the way, Chair Sundin and the Ag Committee that I sat on was yep. the best committee out of all of the committees that I had. Why? Just so you know that. Because I learned a lot. I learned a lot from Chair Sundin. I learned a lot from uh, Representative Hansen. I learned a lot. You know, I learned that, hell, when, 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 when some of these farmers die off, there, there's some of them, some of their relatives don't even want to farm, and they auction these doggone farms with equipment off for pennies on the dollar. People in my community don't know that, so I have to bring that voice back to the people in the community and let them know, like, hey, why is it that we don't have many black farmers in the state of Minnesota? It's not because you know, it's, it's because of the economic news. We have a, we have no problem paying you know, our dollars. They go in our pocket without even asking and take our tax dollars. We have no. So can we please get the return on our investment? You've used this this phrase, economic news. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? And you've been in this community a long time. You, before you were a legislator, you had a job, you made a good living, you raised a family. What were the constraints economically that you saw that you couldn't break away from? You can walk in the bank and ask them for a $10,000 loan without a whole lot of red tape here in this community. Homeownership is at an all-time low in the African-American community. Landlords are making a killing, putting their kids through through school off of the majority of the renters in the African-American community. Yo, we talk about funding our schools. Yo, our schools are some of the most underfunded schools in the state. Let's stop there for a sec, because I know we're going to have listeners who will question me after. And I want your view from your community. So someone else is going to say, per pupil, your schools get more money than any other schools in because urban schools do get more money per pupil. So A, do they need even more? And why? Or is the money not going to the kids or to the classroom? What, what do you think? I actually, 
I, I would come to the state capitol as a regular citizen post Philando Castile, and I would ask just something as simple as because Philando used to go in his pocket and pay these kids lunch debt, you know, because kids didn't have money in their account. The parents probably didn't have the money. So Philando would go in his pocket and put 60 cents, 90 cents in the till. And by the way, yeah. Philando could have gotten fired for doing that because it was like he was buying, spending money. on You couldn't spend money like that. But right. he did it anyway. So when I come to the state capitol and ask, you know, can we at least give the kids a hot lunch and a cold yeah. breakfast free? And people in legislative bodies say, well, where are we going to find the money? We don't have the money. What did you do that? And then the pandemic comes. Yeah. And not only are we feeding the kids for free, but we delivering the food in school with school buses. Right. That's what I mean by the economic news, because you can find the money to do that, and you know you have the money. But when it comes to my community, it's like, no, 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 you know. We said, if you look at St. Paul Public Schools now and a lot of the, the new infrastructure in these buildings and all these new, like, come on now. And look at the schools that closed in my district this year, and predominantly black schools in, in, in my school district. Look at the schools that St. Paul had to close in, in this district. Not, not in Egan, Minnesota. Hey, bro, when I, go to, when I go to school and see a school in Bloomington, they got a pre-apprenticeship program for their kids where their kids are being uh, introduced to the trades in high school. When I go to that and these kids are leaving high school with a pre-apprenticeship, and then we could barely get a doggone uh, uh, auto body shop in St. Paul Public Schools or Minneapolis Public Schools without pushback. We got it's one of the richest states in the United States. And when it comes to funding our schools, the funds should be endless. There shouldn't be a price tag on our future because these kids are our future and we should invest wisely in our future. If you want, you know, a return on your investment later, keep in mind, Blois, me and you're going to be 65 years old one day and we're going to need these same kids who we're underfunding and criminalizing to actually take care of us. I want to stay on economics in your community for a couple more minutes here. You know, when I grew up, uh, you and I are about the same age. When I grew up, there was industry on the east side. There were jobs on the east side. There were union jobs on the east side. What do you think leadership, even away from you, whether it's Governor Walls or Mayor Carter, what do you think they need to do to get different jobs or more economic opportunity to the community that's not from the government? They know what to do. And that's actually invest dollars in the community that need them the most. Invest more dollars than you have. You know, we figure out a way what would to you invest in though to get to get the jobs there. And I'm not trying to cut you short. I just want to make sure we get we get to the nut of this because again, when I grew up and we would go to the east side, you know, there were three shifts at a factory, there were three shifts at a brewery, there were middle income jobs on the east side. Those, those jobs are gone, right? So how do we get those jobs back to the east side? <laughs> it's going to be hard, brother. Why? It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to get those jobs back to the east side. Because keep in mind, every day. You hear in the media how we had carjackings, gun violence, shootings, gangs. Yep. It's going to be hard to get those jobs back. But at least, here's something I will say. When black people come to legislation, African-Americans come to the legislative body or go to the governor's office and say, this is what we need in our community, believe them. Just like the teachers. When the teachers come and they're telling the body, this is what we need. First of all, I've never been a teacher in my life. And so when the people who actually invest in my kids every single day say this is what we need in our community, we have to listen to them and believe them and give them the tools they need without hesitation, without hesitation. You know, we, we, spend, yeah. we spend millions of dollars giving farmers pesticide every year in this state. Our kids are worth a little bit more than the crumbs that we're giving them right now. You know, right. training facilities, can we get some training facilities in our community? You know, we talk about renewable energy sources and green energy. Somebody's going to have to fix that doggone 
uh, you know, the, 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 the soap dispenser where you just put your hand up under it and soap comes out. Teach these people how to, teach them how to fish. You know, you don't have to give them a fishing pole. Yeah. You teach them how to fish and they can fish for themselves. You know, and so honestly, it's not an accident for a handout. It's accident for an investment in our in the tax dollars. Without, we, we can't take our tax dollars and then tell us we don't get to decide what you do with them. Is there tension within the caucus or within the legislature amongst different groups of color between helping what I'll say is historical African-Americans that have been here and immigrants and BIPOC? Is there tension there? You know, I proposed a bill. One of the first bills I proposed was Minnesota House File 784 was the Philando Castile omnibus package. And I asked for like $474 million to be invested in housing, STEM training, jobs and economic development contracts and procurement, culturally intelligent behavioral health specialists. Like, I, mean, I, I went down the list if you could, and, and there was more, but this was a big price tag. I had colleagues and you can go back to the hearing on that bill in the house say, well, Mr. Thompson, are you asking for reparations? And I'm like, that ain't even a down payment. $400 million, that ain't even a down payment. But since we're talking, and then I had colleagues say to me, well, you can't ask for money for the African-American community because that's asking for money for people based off of race. My pushback was, wait a minute, I have a bill on my desk moving for the Somali Museum. I have a bill on my desk for the Hmong American Partnership, the Latino Economic Development Center. Somebody got a problem with the word African-American and I didn't choose race. I put African-American there because in the constitution, African-Americans are a protected class. And so I'm, I'm not asking for money for people based off race. I'm asking for equal amount of dollars. Did you get pushback from your DFL uh, colleagues of color. You know, sometimes I would I wouldn't get pushed back, but I would hear them say stuff like, "Man, you asked for four hundred. That's a big price tag." Well, honestly, you haven't been investing half of that. You know, the, the state of Minnesota should be doing a percentage of 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 uh, you know when we talk about contracts and procurement. There's a percentage that we should have, and we don't even meet halfway the mark when it comes to the percentage that they're reporting to the federal government. They're doing with with, with African American community and African American contractors here. And when I tell you, when I say economic news. If, 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 if we were trying to get a contract with the state of Minnesota, there's so much red tape and that tape and, and so many minimum qualifications yeah. and to keep certain people out. Look at the feeding our future scandal. There's no way that a black woman or a black man could have got away with what this woman got away. Amy Bob got away with. And the why, reason do you why, think, why do you think they got away with it and an African-American couldn't have gotten away with it? The reason why she was able to get away with it is because she has people that know how to navigate that paperwork and know how to right. get those contracts. In her, you know, and, and speaking of that, by the way, you don't see her face that much in the news when it comes to the feeding our future scandal. You see people with hit jobs in the, in the, in the news. You know, they're quick to sweep that white crime up under the rug. The same with the lady who ran off with that money from the Philando Castillo Feed the Children you know, Foundation. You don't hear much about that woman. They sweep that under the rug, but they will yeah. talk about, I sell newspapers, by the way. I didn't know that. <laughs> They'll talk about John Thompson and his 20-year-old allegations until they blew in the face. Final stretch here, John. Obviously, you got pulled over, learned that your license was not from your district. Would you have handled any of that different? Do you regret that? Do you apologize? What do you What do you feel about that incident? I was talking to someone earlier today in the media, and I said, because she asked me that question, and I said, well, what I remember about that is in the media, it said, John Thompson shows up to this Western District unannounced, and he apologized to this officer. And first of all, I never apologized to the officer. And I still feel like I was racially profiled and I never showed up unannounced. One of my constituents asked me, you know, she makes lunch for the Western district. And she said, would you come over and have a ham and some yams? And 
Yo, Johnny Howard, who is the uh, he's the uh, community relations director for the St. Paul Police Department, and yeah. Mickey Frost from the 8 to 18 Truth Center, I walked in that building with Johnny Howard and Mickey Frost because one of my constituents asked me to have a conversation with the officer who I felt racially profiled me. And me and him talked. And he said, John, I don't feel like I profiled you. Like, and when I pulled you over, I've sensed attitude. So I wrote a ticket. I said, yeah. I felt like your neck, I said, I felt like your neck turned like the exorcist when 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 I drove past your car and then you busted U-turn. So I still feel like you raised. We didn't leave that meeting seeing eye to eye, but we've seen man to man. You know, and I gave him a hug and I walked out. But I still felt the same way. You know, people will believe that John Thompson is lying on a police officer. You know, John Thompson's accusing the police officer of racial profiling, but they won't believe that police officers really racially profile people. Like they wouldn't believe that George Floyd was killed with a knee to the neck. They believe that he was killed, you know, with fentanyl in his system. Yeah. And that was just the beginning of my problems because when I, you know, when I say I feel like I was racially profiled, now I'm under attack by not only the police unions, but the chiefs association. John, I want to pause you right there because I don't want to relive the whole thing, but Take away the pre-pullover, okay? Mm -hmm. Take away that you think you were profiled. Is there a certain decorum that even I should use when I get pulled over? And I'll tell you, I was pulled over last week, okay? Mm -hmm. By a state trooper for speeding. And I just said, yep, I'm sorry. I got a warning. I said, thank you for your service. And I went on. Now, I could have given her attitude. I could have said, why are you pulling me over? But I chose not to. I want to get to the nut of this because, John, I don't think anybody argues that racial profiling happens. Mm -hmm. I think it's what you do once you're pulled over and how you deal with it that is what people turn their heads. These uh, police stops are turning cars into caskets for young black men and black men like myself. And so you ask, is there a certain decorum? You you never know what it feels like to be a black man sitting behind the wheel in those disco right. lights behind your car. And keep in mind, this happened like the same week of the anniversary of the death of Philando Castile. This happened all. And so in my mind, like that, that was the week. And so for me, you know, I want to make it home. We sat on the side of the road for almost an hour while this officer was running my license plate. And so when they were like, John, you need to show the video. You know, I'm thinking that we're going to see the entire traffic stop and we only see a snippet of this video and it, it, it tells a narrative of John is just lying on this police officer and just making yeah. up. Okay. So fine. Like we moved past that. And then I, I praised the police for doing a good job just recently. And I'm still getting ridiculed. You know, so, you know, it's just, it's, you know, damn you do, damn you don't. What I'll say is we have to keep talking. We have to keep yeah. talking to each other and keep trying to like get, educate each other because what that officer said to me, like honestly had me thinking, what if I hadn't said nothing? Maybe they just right. gave me my license and I went on my way. What if I hadn't said nothing at the rally about how I felt? I probably was still not, I would probably when he got ridiculed. From that traffic stop comes, John Thompson has a Wisconsin license. Yeah. John Thompson's Wisconsin license then opens up an investigation into let's find out who he is. And oh, John Thompson has allegations in Superior Wisconsin. Like all of that. Now, now, now you know, post, post that stop, Yo, know, people are saying, oh, my God, uh, elected officials are held to a higher standard. You know, even even Kim Martin held a press conference about my driver's license, stating that, yo, know, I think that John should resign. I'm saying to you, and you can quote me on this, Kim Martin had no problem dropping them funky-ass Joe Biden signs off at my house and those, those Joe Biden buttons and T-shirts and dropping them off to my kids. 
And so when Kim Martin, who's the chair of the Democratic Party, says that he doesn't know if I live in my like when he says that, I know what I'm dealing with is bigger than just the police union now. You know what right. I mean? Martin's been to my he was at he was been to my house. Yeah. He knows exactly where I live. And he knew he could have said right then and there, no, I've been to John Thompson's house and I know he lives in the district. Now it's I need to separate John from this party. And I was getting calls from DFLers asking me to resign because we may lose seats in rural Minnesota. If you don't resign, they're going to use your image. Yeah, Melissa Hortman was calling me every single day asking me to resign. Your Who was Melissa Hortman. Okay. Resign. You need to resign. And I still feel the same way. I'm the first person to be convicted in the Minnesota House of Representatives of something I was found not guilty of in the court of law. All Flat right. out. Didn't get due process in the House, you know. Yeah. And that's fine. Here's what I will share with you. I remember who pointed out Emmett Till and got him killed. The tactics have never changed. The faces just changed. And so those tactics that, that our, our House Speaker used against me were bully tactics, you know, just to protect. And I asked her, I said, so you're more concerned with seats than the people? You're more concerned with the image of the party than the people. And by the way, they are going to lose seats in rural Minnesota, not because of John Thompson, but because of their, their, their continued failure, failure to invest in communities that need them the most. We got to wrap. Here's my final question. What's next? You said you're not done. Will your tone and tenor change in whatever's next? So I'm having a meeting with my, my sisters in Chicago, my, 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 my aunts, and my entire family is my support system. So what's next for me will determine on you know, what comes out of that meeting with my family, because that's what's important to me the most. And I think that I owe it to them because they have been drugged through the mud behind your know, politics. And by the way, I didn't actually be a politician. Politics chose me. Yo, and so and I also also blow us. I ask God all the time, why you put me here? And he said, who else? Yo, so for me, I don't know what what's next for me, but it's going to be big. I tell you that. And you ask me, will I, will I change my tone? Um, I probably won't conform for a system until it conforms for my community. And so there's nothing soft spoken about what happened to George Floyd. So why should I be soft spoken about me wanting systemic change in this state? And now, you know, from time and time again, we ask for systemic change and they give us cosmetic change. We want real systemic change in this state. And don't be mad at my words, honestly, because my words only come out of passion for actually wanting more from my community than what it's getting right now. I honestly can't tell you what's next, but okay. I'm going to I'm gonna continue to to build relationships. Man, you know, just, you know, you know I can't help but to think about Hugo, Minnesota, brother, like. The city, the city of Hugo didn't deserve that, right? The city yeah. of Hugo didn't do anything wrong. And so if I learned anything, it's not to punish people for things that they didn't do. Got you it. Know? And, I, and, I, and I'll, I'll leave it there, man. John Thompson, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. After this, Mike Max and Pete Najarian with The Huddle. If it's Sunday, it's Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 